0: Well, good morning, church. It's um, it's good to be back. I was took some time off. Didn't go anywhere. Just took some time off. So if you want to know where we went, eleven eleven Arrowhead Trail. Not much difference there. We did go see my mom for a couple of days, and that was a, that was a, that was a good trip. I needed to, to see mom, um, but I always enjoy the time off. But I always enjoy the time back. Uh, so to say, to get back in the saddle and get rolling again. Um, I love sharing God's Word with you. Um, I love opening up His truth and um, hopefully praying that what I say is what He wants and not what I want. And uh, that's a challenge at times. And so I, I want to encourage you today and then every Sunday, whenever we get ready to come to worship, be praying for whoever's going to be up here that they share God's truth. I'm so thankful for last week for Brian being here and sharing God's truth. Uh, It gives me peace knowing that I can step away and the person stepping up will do their job and do it faithfully. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, There's one announcement that did not get mentioned and I didn't tell Troy to mention. I was going to share it with you. And that is, starting next week, we're going to be in a study of the book of John. And we're going to plow our way through John. I can't tell you how long it's going to last, okay? I love um, getting into God's word and just studying it and sharing it and every now and then you know we do topical studies but this is directly uh, from the book of John and it's intentional Um, not just because it's a great book but because I love how our church is growing and it's sometimes it's hard to find a maybe a seat to sit in but my concern is that we're growing spiritually I want to see a church that is thriving spiritually and learning and drawing near to the Lord. So our hopes is that as we started, uh, start this book of John, that we, you will want to get into a small group. So in two weeks, we're going to offer some opportunities for you to say, hey, I, I want to learn more about it. Because whatever I preach on on Sunday, that week, the study will be on that particular chapter or verses from the book of John. And if you can't come on one, you can come to the other because all the small groups will be sharing the same material. Uh, It'll be just a different leader. uh, So it might be a different style, different location, different time. Uh, But that email will go out this week telling you times and locations. And if you want to be a part of this, we'd like to know so we can plan um, accordingly. Like if everybody's like, oh, we're going to come to the Saturday morning one, but not Thursday night. Well, we'll let our Thursday night leader know. So they're not sitting at home saying, nobody loves me. No, they just couldn't show up. Um, so we want to make sure they know that. So look for that email this week. Uh, we're excited about digging into the book of John together as a church. Literally looking forward to that. Well, this morning, before we dig into God's word, I want to take you back to a game that maybe you played when you were a kid. Uh, sort of a fun game. And it isn't just when you're a kid. Matter of fact, we played this game or a version of this game last night. We had a bunch of people over at our house. Uh, some of our son's friends came over. And, and uh, that's sort of the fun thing when they get their friends around. And we we play board games together or, or card games together. And we played a game. And I can't remember the name of it. But it's like a version of a telephone game. Uh, basically, you get a word or a phrase. You write that phrase down. And then you have to draw a picture of it and hand it to the next person, and they look at the picture, and they have to guess what it is, and they write a word, they flip it over, and they write the word, what they think it is, and they hand it to the next person, that person looks at the word, and they flip it over, and they draw a picture of it, and it keeps going all the way around until it comes back to the original person, and the question is, that last picture, does it match up with the word that they got? It's like the telephone game. Remember that game? You tell somebody something, they tell somebody, say so they tell somebody, and it comes back around, did the original phrase come back correctly? Out of ten times, how many times do you think it is correct? Right, zero. Yeah, yeah. It's never the same. You know, no matter what you say, by the time it circulates back around, it's never the same thing. Matter of fact, last night the, one of the words was "sit," like to sit down. And it was. It went around. The final picture came back. It was a. They thought it was a fire brick oven pizza or something. Is, how did you get? I have no idea. Um, but it was fun seeing that. But if you remember that game, it is so true to life, isn't it? Maybe we share something with somebody, and it's like, oh, little Timmy, he has an earache, he's not feeling good. And then next thing you know, you get a call from your, from your great-grandma. She goes, I heard Timmy's moving to Africa to buy new eardrums. What? How did that earache to eardrums in Africa? I don't know. But that's the way it works, right? It just sort of gets circulated wrong. So when we think about this whole communication stuff, it gets really messy at times. And here's what concerns me is, as a pastor, I know there's times at home when I try to communicate something so simple to my family, and it gets lost in communication. I don't know how. Something as simple as, can you please take the dishes out of the dishwasher and put them up in the... Never gets communicated. Something happens. I thought you said to park the car at the neighbors. No, I have no idea how that happened. Um, But... There's that kind of stuff that happens at times, okay? But here's why that scares me. Because if I can't get it straight at home with my family, I worry about getting it straight with you. I'm trying to communicate one of the most important things, God's word, to a church family. And it scares me if I can't even communicate things, words properly at home with my own family, how can I communicate God's words properly to the church family? So communication is so huge, and it, and, it, and it scares me sometimes. But what should scare me or concern me more is, how am I doing with communicating with God? Not so much just communicating with my family or with you, but how am I doing with communicating with God? How's my prayer life? How's your prayer life? How are you doing with communicating with to God. You know, sometimes we have problems with communicating with people and we can try to remedy that and read books. And, and so of course, well, let's figure out how to talk to God better. That's called prayer, by the way. So God talks to us through his, his written word. He communicates to us and he says, I've got something I want you to hear. I want you to see. I want you to learn. I want you to obey. And, and he communicates to us, but then we communicate to him through prayer. And there are books and volumes of books written on prayer. And so for me to take 30 to 40 minutes and try to share with you what prayer is, is a dauntless task. I don't think I can do it. So what I'm going to do today is is simply talk about prayer and hopefully just give you a few thoughts about prayer. But I'm going to challenge you to get better at prayer. We might have some mighty prayer warriors in here right now and then there's the other end of the pendulum where someone's like, I only pray when I see somebody swerving and they're about ready to hit me and then I'm crying out, Lord, Jesus saved me, right? And it's like, right? Don't feel bad on that kind of prayer. I'll tell you why in a little bit, okay? But we've got to get better with our prayer life, with communicating with the most important being in existence, and that's God. So let's talk about this. What is prayer? Prayer is this. Again, this is no major definition. Okay, This is me just sharing with you what prayer is. It's simply talking to God. Prayer is simply talking to God. Just as God speaks to us when we read his word, we talk to him when we pray. So when you sit around the table at a meal and somebody says, who wants to pray? Basically, we're saying, hey, who wants to talk to God and thank him for the food? At that point in time, all of our hands should be up. Because if you think about it, when somebody gives you something, you want to tell them thank you. Well, God gave you that food. Who wants to be the first to tell them thanks? I'll tell them, okay, well, we'll just, instead of looking around, well, maybe we'll just close our eyes and we'll talk to God and thank him for the food. We've complicated prayer sometimes, but prayer is simply talking to God, right? Now, again, we could write a whole book on that, but I'm trying to keep it very simple so we can keep rolling here. Here's the next thing is, why is it important to pray? Ever thought about that? Well, let's let's start with the, the, the biggest reason right here, okay? We are talking, communicating with the God of this universe. We're building a relationship with the God of this universe, the God of this universe. We get to talk to him. We get to grow deeper with him. Why is it important to pray? Because we get to talk to God. He commands it in his word. It's life changing. We see it. Well, I thought about this too then. Well, what are some of my favorite verses about prayer? Because if you opened up the Bible and said, well, I need to start learning more about prayer, where do you start? As a little kid, there were some verses I remember that really stuck out to me. And I'm going to share a few of those verses with you. First one is Jeremiah 33 It says, Call unto me and I will show you great mighty things which thou knowest not. Now, it's a different translation that I just shared, that I just read that's up on the screen. But I remember this verse because I remember it as a kid sitting there saying, I wonder if God hears me. I wonder if God hears my prayers. Because I was raised in a home that I knelt down by my bed and prayed every night. Whether mom or dad was in there or not, I, I was taught that's what you do. Man, I had a journal. You even wrote prayer requests down and checked them off and God answered them. right? But I remember sometimes wondering, does God hear me? And it's like, yes. God says, call to me. And I'll answer you. God is telling us and inviting us, talk to me. Call me up. I'll answer you. I'm going to show you some things you've never seen before. That verse always amazed me. It's one of my favorites. James 5, 16 was another one. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man is great power and produces wonderful results. Now that... That verse, the first part always scared me. Confess my sins to another person. I don't want to share my sins with you. You don't need to know what's going on in my life. I don't even want to share what's going on in my life, right? But then I got to that next part of the verse where talked about praying for each other so you'll be healed. The importance of praying for other Christians, for other believers, for other people. And then that the prayer of a righteous man is Powerful. Produces wonderful results, and then as a little boy, I'm sitting there going, "I want to be a righteous man." Why? Because I want to have powerful prayers. Again, these are these verses that, as a child, I was looking at, saying, "Man, that, that's, that's me. That's what I want to do." And one of my favorites is Philippians four six to seven. Some of you, you've maybe received a text message from me, or I've shared this verse with you in, in person or over the phone. Um, it's it's when you've been going through a rough time, and you say, "I just," it's my go to verse. It's my go-to verse. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything is another translation. But pray for everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Incredible verse. So again, these, these three verses were three of my favorite verses growing up. I don't know if you have any favorite verses on prayer, but these verses were like they're, they're my go-to verses. And I think about this as I pray Prayer is that talking to God. It's that connecting with God. It's lining up my life with his will. It's not, God, I want you to bend down and do this for me. It's me bending down and asking, God, help me to line up with your will. Some of us uh, look at prayer in a different way. We look at like sitting on Santa's lap and telling him what we want for Christmas. And hoping that he delivers. And that's what we expect of God. I'm just going to sit on your lap, God, and tell you what I want. Those are my prayers to you, and I hope I get them. God's not a Santa. God's not a vending machine that you push the right buttons and deposit a prayer, and you get what you want. God answers prayers, and we know that. And if we pray, though, according to God's will, our prayer will be answered. God's will, will we'll learn about that. That's why it's important to be in God's word because in God's word you discover God's will for your life and then as you pray, you pray accordingly to to God's will. Knowing that he will be directly involved, understanding that prayer is not about us and what I get, but it's prayers about God and lining up with God's will for what he wants in our life. And there are certain prayers that God says, this is my will for you, pray it. Well, like what? Let me give you a list of some verses that I know are God's promises and I know he wants us to pray these things and because I know he will answer these things. And the first one is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. New life in Christ, right? We want a new life in Christ. We want a new life in Christ for others as well. Are you praying that for salvation for other people? Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouths and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. Are we praying for people to be saved? Have you prayed, even, even the prayer of salvation, God wants me to be saved. I need to start with me, repenting and asking God to forgive me and starting that relationship with him. That is a prayer he will answer. You pray that prayer, he will answer it. He also says, I'll forgive you. First John one nine, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a promise. God says, go ahead and pray that prayer. Go ahead and confess to me. I will answer that prayer. I'll forgive you. James 1.5 says, If any of you la- lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. I don't know what to do in a situation. I'm struggling. I need the wisdom to do it. God says, pray that prayer to me and I will answer you. I will give you godly wisdom. A lot of times he gives us the answer. We just don't want to listen. Those are just a few. And again, a good study of God's word will reveal more of God, how God answers prayers. And, And remember this, God answers prayers in multiple ways, right? He'll say yes. And sometimes he'll say, nope. Sometimes he says, not yet, right? Or wait. We've heard that before, right? But when we pray, we have to guard against certain things too. We have to guard against the getting the attention from others. Making prayer about me. I want you to hear my prayer requests. You know what's going on in my life. So you can pity me. we got to be careful with those kind of prayers. Or not just maybe pity me, but I want you to hear about my prayer request so you can hear how important I am, how awesome I am, or what's going on in my life. And it's a struggle at times, and this is one I struggle with because there's things sometimes I want to post on social media about maybe FCA or something going on spiritually in the life of somebody or something. It's like, man, that needs to be shared. But yet I don't want it to come back on like, oh, Rex is boasting about FCA or about this thing or that thing. And it's like... So do I post it or not? And so I have to pray about those matters at times. Like, is, is this okay to post? And there's times i posted something and about two hours later, I feel convicted. Like, Rex, were you posting it about for your sake or for the sake of the ministry? And I take it down. It's like, I, I didn't feel right about that. So I just take it down. And there's other times like, no, people need to know about this so they can pray about it. And it's not a boasting about me. It's a boasting in the Lord and what God is doing. I read some, uh, 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 a tweet, okay? Now, for those of you who don't know what Twitter is, most of you know what Twitter is, right? There's, there's, there might be some older generations like, Twitter, I know, a tweet. Twitter, tweet I don't know, there's a tweet. It's like, it's like when you think, it's like those little bubbles that go off in your head, but you just put it out there for everybody else to read. Okay, I think that's how I think of what a tweet is. But the, this person put this out there on Twitter. They They said this. Preaching a message to thousands of young adults today. I would deeply appreciate your prayers. Okay, that was their tweet. Now I want to tell you something. Here's where my flesh and my spirit went to war. Okay? Because my spirit, the spirit of God within me was saying, how awesome is that? Let's pray for this person as they preach to thousands of young people. Let's pray that something awesome happens. And then the flesh side of me said, really? You had to post that. Why are you posting that for? Oh, you're preaching to thousands of people today. Aren't you so important? Would you have posted the same thing if you were preaching to four people today? Probably not. See how judgmental I can be. That's why you got to <laughs> pray for your pastor. So after confessing my sins to God, because he will forgive I wanted to walk away from that. I actually was ready to reply. I was, I was ready to reply in my flesh, like, oh, would you have said the same thing if you're preaching to four people? You know, but then I was like, oh, delete that. Forgive me, Lord. You know. But do you see the battle that goes on sometimes with your flesh and spirit? Because I don't want my prayer to bring attention to me. And it's because it's not about me. And so in these moments, I would suggest to you what I've done and you know someone's like, should I share this prayer request or not? Well, ask, why are you sharing it? We are to share our prayer concerns with others. We are to pray for one another and we can't pray for you if you don't share your prayer request, right? So we need to do that, but let's make sure that, is that prayer request, is it something that God wants me to share or is it about me? I just want everybody to know something about me you got to pray that one out. you got to let the Spirit of God talk to you on that one. Okay? And, I, and I understand, like I said, that is, that is something that's challenged me. But I do know this. If I don't share my prayer request with you, how are you going to pray for me? So we do have to pray with each other. And in those moments, man, we were a little confused and we did not even know how to pray. Here's a verse for you, Romans 8. 26. It says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, We don't know what God wants us to pray for, But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Sometimes we don't even know how to pray for people. We don't even know how to pray for our own situation. God, I don't know what to say, But your Spirit does. May your will be done in this situation. Maybe that's the prayer we need to pray. And our prayers can be long Maybe our prayers can be short. I just gave you an example earlier about you know maybe a car swerving in front of you. But I want to take you back to a story when when the disciple of Jesus Peter and the other disciples were in a boat, and the big storm came upon them. They're on the lake in this boat, and their their boat is just getting rocked, right? And Jesus comes walking on water. And the disciples are afraid, and it's like, oh, no. But then they realize it's Jesus, and Peter's like, oh, it's Jesus. Let me go walking to you, Jesus. Can I come out on the water with you? And Jesus like, come on out. And so Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on the water, but he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and what does he do? He sinks. That's what happens when we take our eyes off Jesus, right? And what did Peter do in that moment? He prayed to Jesus, didn't he? Lord, save me. Three simple words. It's the shortest prayer in the Bible, maybe. Right? Your prayers may be long, your prayers may be short. But in that moment, Jesus reached out and rescued him. So much to say about prayer, church. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to one passage, and I want to share from this one passage about a moment in prayer. Maybe that will help you with maybe one area in your life concerning prayer. So if you would, grab your Bibles, open them up to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. Old Testament, halfway through, a little more halfway through the Old Testament. In the book of Jeremiah, this is a prophet, and this is a letter basically um, going from to these people who are in Jerusalem. They're taken captive to Babylon, and uh, life got really messy for them. And they were trying to piece this all together. And I don't know about you, but there are times in our lives when things get really messy or discombobulated and we wonder, what's going on in this situation? Uh, life is, I just don't get it. On New Year's Eve, um, our house was, was like the party house. The half of us were asleep by 11. That um, yeah, was sarcasm if you didn't catch it. I'm in the dining room, um, got my usual wintertime puzzle out that I'm working on. And I didn't realize what time it was. We didn't have the TV on. Usually every year there's people around and we're watching the ball drop and all that kind of stuff. right? This year it was like I'm in there putting pieces of puzzle together, getting a little frustrated, working up a sweat. Anybody sweat when they do puzzles or just me? I'm out of shape. Okay, so anyway. um, So I'm working on a puzzle and I realize it's 1230 Oh, happy new year, right? Okay, and I'm back, putting pieces back in, and I just realized I welcomed in my new year trying to put life together. That feels like my life, I don't know, for 50 plus years now, okay? It feels like something's always wrong, something's always a mess, something's always discombobulated, pieces everywhere, right? But I thought, how true is that of my own life? There are times in my life when I'm sitting there going, I don't understand where this fits in my life. I don't understand where this fits in my life. Things just aren't connecting, and I don't see how this all works together. Do you ever feel that way? You ever have one of those days? You all are perfect, aren't you? Why am I preaching to you today? Okay. I believe we all have those moments when life feels like a puzzle, right? And I believe for these people here that Jeremiah was writing this letter to, I bet they felt that way. Because they had been taken from their homeland they grew up in, and they had been moved away, taken captive. So let's pick up on this letter and see what happens here. Verse 1, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, and prophets. All the people have been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Now I want you to skip down to, because I can't read all these names. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the verse 4, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he's exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. He's just making this clear, okay? This letter I'm writing, but it came from God. Look who it came from. The Lord of Heaven's armies. The God of Israel. Okay. Jeremiah says, I'm writing to you people. You people have been conquered. You've been carried off to a captive land. You're prisoners in foreign territory. You need encouragement. You need hope. I'd love to give you my personal word, but this is coming from God, the Lord of heaven's armies. Most of these Jewish people, especially those with talent, skills, education, any kind of, of education or leadership ability that they had, they're the ones that were taken away. Those who remain in Jerusalem and Judah, there was a small, select group of people possibly, but we're gonna focus on what God said to Jeremiah, which Jeremiah passed on to those that were in captivity. Okay? Verse 5. Build homes. Plan to stay. Okay, we gotta stop. You've just been taken captive. You're in a situation in your life you don't wanna be in. You're frustrated. Why am I here right now, God? Why is this going on in my life? I don't want to be here. That's my homeland. I've been taken away. I got to live this new group of people, new things, uncomfortable. And what does God say? Oh, you poor child. Let me love you. What does he say? Look, hey, build homes, plan to stay. Plant gardens, eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so they can have grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. Work for peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Listen to this. Pray to the Lord for this. <laughs> what? You want me to do all this and you want me to pray about the this comes true? Yeah. For its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Don't let those prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Don't listen to their dreams because they're telling you lies in my name. I've not sent them, says the Lord. Simply put, God says, I want you to make yourself at home and be a good citizen there in Babylon. Are you sure? I mean, the the Jewish people were in Babylon by the will of God. Think about this. Because of the judgment that was brought upon them from generation to generation, because the judgment of God was upon them, there was the will of God that they were taken captive and put there away from their home. This is the will of God. It was his plan. He says, because this is my plan, because you are where you are right now, let's make the best of it. Instead of whining and complaining about your situation, let's make the best of it. Build a home. Plant a garden. Have kids. Have grandkids. Multiply. What are you waiting for, right? You want to get released? Your release isn't coming anytime soon. It's going to be years down the road. If you remember years earlier, this was a similar situation with those that were in Egypt. Egypt when those people were slaves to Pharaoh and Moses came and freed them, right? God wanted the Jewish people to multiply in Babylon even as they multiplied in Egypt. Exile didn't mean that God forgot about them or wanted to destroy them. Listen, just because you're going through a difficult time doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. Because a lot of people think that. Oh, I'm going through so much right now. God must hate me. God must have forgotten about me. No, no. Maybe this is God's will for you, where you're at right now. Not only were they to grow, God wanted them to do good in the community and be a blessing to the Babylonian neighbors. He wanted them to shine right where they're at, work for peace and prosperity. Ultimately, God caused them to be in Babylon so they could be a blessing to their enemy. Hmm. I think about that sometimes when I, I, you know, I know sometimes people go to work and their workplace isn't the greatest they're working somewhere they don't want to work. And and I, 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 I can't even imagine what that's like because I love where I work. But I know there are people who work in situations they don't like it. It's probably difficult, right? Maybe the culture's not godly at all. But maybe God put them there for a reason. So while you are there, which may feel like a Babylonian captivity, work for peace, do good, be a blessing to those around. But here's what... God said, and be very listen very carefully to this. God just didn't say, go do it. This wasn't a Nike phrase by God. What did he say? He said, pray for it. Pray for it. Don't just strive for it. That's our effort. Pray for it. That's God at work. So no matter where you are, what it's feeling, in this situation with the Babylonians and with the, the people of God, They were supposed to pray for this. During your difficulty, pray to God. As you pray, listen to God. Because the voices around you are always going to speak louder. The voices around you will speak lies, the false prophets. And God even warned them. Those fortune tellers, those false prophets around you, be careful what they say. Look back at verse 10. Now remember, verse 8 and verse 9 was the fortune tellers and the false prophets whispering these things to these people. But verse 10, God says, This is... Is what the Lord says. Forget what they're saying. This is what the Lord says. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years. Then I'll come and I'll do for you all the good things I promised. I'll bring you home again. Hey, I get it. You're struggling. You don't like where you're at. But let me give you truth. There is an end time, a point where I will deliver you out. Then we come to that verse we have all know so well. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. Did you hear that? Do you hear what God says? In those days, in those moments that you're facing, when you pray, guess what? I listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. If, and I will be found by you, says the Lord, I will end your captivity restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I'll bring you home again to your own land. That captivity was prophesied for 70 years. As previously promised by Jeremiah, the captivity in Babylon would not go beyond 70 years. Some of us feel like, will this dream ever end? It's a nightmare. Will I ever get out of this? I can't answer that for you, but if I believe what is to be true here. What we learn about God's word is that there's an end point to where your struggle will come. And God will say, now you're done. But until then, we have to be faithful and pray twice in this section. Pray, I'm listening, says God. Many of us wonder, you know, how long? God, when's it going to get better? Will I ever, go ahead and finish that phrase if you want. God's appointed an end to that. I believe that. In the story, there were these false prophets. The false prophets, they were telling Jeremiah and and all these other people that that were in in exile. They were saying, oh, it's going to be quick. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. They were basically lying to these people, leading them astray, trying to make them feel good. And here's the thing. We have to be very careful. It's not just people who try to make us feel good. Because in all the situations that we're in and struggle with, we look for things to make us feel good. Whether it's an object, whether it's a drug, whether it's alcohol, whether it's another person just chirping in our ear. We look for things to make us feel good and satisfied during that captivity. During that time. That this will definitely relieve me of my pain. This will relieve me of my problems. Those are nothing but false prophets whispering into your ear, church. Church offering words that have nothing to back it up. We come to one of the most famous verses quoted. Look at verse 11. I put two different versions on the screen for you. One, for I know the plans... I have for you, says the Lord, "Their plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and hope. Then there's another version that says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. See, we use the modern translation plans, right? When you read this, for I know the plans I have for you, right? This translation, if you go back to the Hebrew and and look what it says, it can also be translated thoughts. They're interchangeable here. And God tells Jeremiah, you know, you guys have forgotten my thoughts about you, so let me remind you of my thoughts about you. But it isn't just about you; it's toward you. And what I love about that—they didn't remember how much God loved them. They didn't remember the promises of God and His thoughts. As a matter of fact, Psalm 40 verse 5 says this: "Your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order if." I would declare and speak of them. They are more than can be numbered. There's another translation that says this, O Lord my God, your plans, you see the word thoughts and plans are interchanged again, for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. Yet what God told the exiles through Jeremiah was even better. See, God does not just think of his people. In this verse, we read God's thoughts are toward his people. Charles Spurgeon said this, The Lord not only thinks of you, but towards you. His thoughts are all drifting your way. And What are those thoughts? Ask those people that were in exile. What do you think their thoughts were? We're being punished because of my mom or dad or my grandma or grandpa or because of my sins. We're being punished. God must hate me. Do you ever feel that way? I did as a kid. When I messed up and I, and I got hurt or something happened to me, I thought, God must be punishing me. I thought any time I disobeyed God, he would punish me. Like a lightning bolt, right? I'm sure these people are thinking the same thing. Like, we're in, we're in captivity right now because we've done some bad stuff. God must think evil of me. He's probably intending evil for me. Look what's going on in my life. So through Jeremiah, God assured him that his thoughts toward them were what? My thoughts them. Toward you are what? Peace. And then his hard mind, he has what? I've got a future and a hope for you. I love how it's written. Look at this verse again. The very last part of it is highlighted. Thoughts of peace and what? (sighs) Look at the very last part. Give you what? An expected end. God's like, Come going to be an end to all this, okay? You hang in there. You keep praying. This promise was made to ancient Jews under the Babylonian exile. That's the history of this, this scripture right here. And the, the question is, does that apply to us now? I believe yes. I believe yes. I believe because our God is an unchanging God. His love for those people that were in exile is the same love that God has for us under the new covenant. God has an expected end, a future and hope for his people, even when they suffer in exile, even when they are hurting, even when we have undeserved pain and discipline or judgment in our life. See, it's the devil's deception to rob God's people of their sense of a future and a hope. Satan wants to think, now you've got nothing good ahead of you. Oh, you deserve this. And God says, no, there will be an end to this because I have thoughts of peace and love toward you, not evil. There's an expected end to all this pray to God he'll listen see they weren't in Jerusalem at the time they weren't in their their place where they can go to a synagogue or a temple to pray and God's saying you can pray right where you're at in captivity see a lot of us think we have to have a special place to worship that's okay You can have a special place of worship. You can have a war room. You can have a a, a closet or somewhere to pray. You can have a favorite chair to sit in and pray. You can have a prayer journal and pray. But you can also pray while you're driving. You can pray while you're mowing the lawn. You can pray when you're going down the road for a run or a walk. You can pray anytime, anywhere. What did Paul say? Be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. If I'm going to be praying about everything, then it's not going to be, oh, um, Before I take this test, can I get up and leave? You know, did you ever have a teacher say we're going to take a pop quiz, pop test? Like, oh, um, well, I need to get up and leave the room and go to my secret prayer place to pray for this pop quiz. No, you don't have to. Just pray right there in your seat, students. Right? Anywhere, anytime. God's not limited uh, to um, space or time. Verse thirteen, it says this: "You'll seek me and you'll find me when you search me with all your heart." God doesn't hide from His people. Isn't that awesome? Some of us feel like that sometimes, like you're playing hide and seek with God. God, where are you at? According to his word, his truth. If you seek him, you will find him. He concludes this. I will bring you back from captivity. And this was a further aspect of the future hope and hope. God would not only bless them and, while they're in Babylon, but he would allow his people to eventually come back to the promised land. So I will rescue you. God is going to rescue them and I believe he does the same for us you know why I believe that to be true when I was working on that puzzle the puzzle at that point in time I had the, the edges, the corners figured out and I started to work on certain places and piles of pieces everywhere and it looked like a mess that would not be put together for quite some time but you know what, all I had to do is this looked over at the cover of the box you know what's on the cover of the box? The end product, right? And you look at that, this, this is going to be what I'm going to be my end product right here. When I am complete, when this is done, this right here will look just like this. So I had hope that eventually my mess was going to look like a masterpiece. Church is the same way. In your life right now, whatever that mess is, I believe God's got a masterpiece. Wait, Why is that? Because here is the end product. And when I look into his promises of the future and the hope of the end product, I know that this is true. So I know that this will eventually be okay because of the truth of this. So with all this being said, pointing just to that one scripture about a moment, how we need to pray, I want to challenge you, church, to Pray. If you don't have a prayer time, make a prayer time. I know you can pray anywhere, any place, but start setting yourself a specific time of prayer. Get a system for how you pray. Just start praying for more, uh, for others more than yourself. I want to do this real quick, and then we'll have the worship team come up here. Uh, matter of fact, worship team, why don't you go ahead and come on up. Um, everybody do this for me. Um, if you would, go ahead and, and take your hand. Everybody lift up your hand. Face it towards me. up here. Everybody has their hand up. Take a look around. Everybody's hands up. Hands up. Good. Okay, how many of you put money in the offering today? Praise God. Thank you all for doing that. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I couldn't resist. Okay, so take your hand and now turn it this way so your thumb's pointing at you. Then, no, I'm just kidding. You keep it out of here, okay? Now, here's just a simple thing. We teach kids how to pray. This is something we do with the kids. So first of all, using the model, I got up on the screen. I can email that out later. Your thumb. Your thumb is your closest to your face right now, Right? So pray for those who are closest to you, your parents, your siblings, your grandparents, family members. Pray for them. Then your next finger, which is your pointer finger, pray for those who instruct and heal, like teachers, doctors, ministers. Your middle finger is your tallest finger, okay? So pray for those who are in leadership position, such as your mayor, governor, uh, president, principal. Pray for them. Your ring finger is your weakest finger, okay? So pray for those who are weak, who are poor, those who are in trouble, those who are sick, those who are hurting. Your pinkies are furthest away from your face right now, so pray for yourself last. Here's the last thing we're going to do. Take your hand. I'll lay it down here in front of you. God gives us everything, good and bad, right? And God is good all the time. And whatever he gives us, we need to learn to say, thank you for giving this to me. Whatever he's placed in your life, Give him thanks. So this is a simple way we teach kids to pray. And adults, it's not beyond us. I think we can learn from this as well. So I want to encourage you. That's one way to pray. Another way to pray is the Acts prayer. You start off with adoring God. God, you are awesome. You're mighty. You're powerful. Praise you, God, for what you are doing. How do you adore him? Heavenly Father, how do you address him? And then confess to him, I've done this in my life. Forgive me. I'm sorry that I've done this. And then T is to thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for these things. And then S is supplication, things that you ask for last. Help me with this. Help my friends with this. Help so-and-so with that. Another model for prayer. Regardless of how you pray or why you're praying, I just want to stress this today. It's important that we understand to communicate with the most important relationship we'll ever have, gotta learn to pray as much as we're like let's dig into God's word yes now let's talk to him as well let's pray to him would you please stand and as we go to prayer we want to pray for those and as I'm praying you can maybe pray for one of these these people pray for Landon Hines as he continues to deal with his health and the battle of figuring the pain under control and it sounds like they got some, some answers and there's hope there there's hope pray for the many children who have been hospitalized with RSV and pneumonia we've got a lot of little infants and children who have been in and out of the hospital for ali herman uh the seventh grader from fayette who has that cancerous tumor on her knee continue to pray for her and we're seeing through her pain and her cancer communities unite it's amazing Pray for uh, Callie Waxler, just her knee injury and, and that she's going to be having surgery coming up soon. Pray for her and her knee. For Mick Hartso, he's recovered from his hernia surgery, but he's had a few complications. He's going to be seeing to Dr. Moore this week. For Barb Badenhop, we continue to pray for her. Callie Puehler, for her. her. Aunt Pauline has been hospitalized. Pray for her. A lot of families in our church are grieving losses. I know Mark uh, Borden's uh, even loss of his brother David, and pray for the Ruth Zimmerman family and Pat Zimmerman, or I'm sorry, Pat Dominic family. Pray for Ryan Lamb as his grandmother passed away and he was able to speak at her funeral yesterday. For Joni uh, Zime, just for her brother Dale as hospice has been called in for him. Church, there's a lot of things to be praying for. We bring these to the God of the universe who hears our prayers. Isn't that awesome? He hears them. And besides all those things that we're praying for, He hears what's going on in your heart right now. What is it that you need to take to Him? Take it to Him right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome and mighty God you are. I thank you, Lord, for this reminder that we just need to make sure that we communicate with you through prayer that we talk to you. We lift these prayer requests to you knowing that you are a God that heals, that fixes stitches things together, relieves of pain. There are more requests, Lord, that I know we could have shared and we, we didn't. You already know what they are, but you want to hear it from us. So God, right now where we're standing, we lift our own personal prayer request to you. Right now, Lord, hear our prayers. Hear our prayers, Lord. Prayers of confession, prayers of pain. God, some of us got prayers of joy and praise. Thanksgiving, new babies born into the family. What a praise. Relationships renewed over holidays. What a praise. A new year with new hopes, new plans. What a praise. Salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. What a praise. Thank you, God, for these things. Thank you for all that you give us. We love you, Lord. We want to sing to you now, Lord, and give you all the praise and glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.